0: You're listening to the Study Legal English Podcast, the world's first legal English podcast, helping lawyers and law students become fluent in legal English. Hello and welcome to episode 74 of the Study Legal English Podcast. I am your host, Louise, and today we're beginning a new topic, which is civil justice. Over the next few episodes, we'll be looking at the pre-civil trial process, the trial process itself, and the post-trial process. But before we do all of this, we will first of all, in this particular episode, be transitioning to this new topic from the topic we've already been looking at recently, that is the topic of criminal justice. Today, we will be looking at some of the key differences between criminal law and civil law, especially paying attention to some of the differences in vocabulary usage. This episode is a bit like a recap of episode 65, where I've previously talked about some of the differences between criminal and civil justice. Just a quick note to say that whilst there is a branch of civil law that deals with public and administrative matters, these next few episodes will focus on private civil law, involving individuals, companies and organisations rather than the state. So, there are many differences between criminal and civil proceedings and today we'll be looking at the type of parties involved, the sort of matters dealt with, the names of the parties in proceedings, the way cases are cited, the burden and standard of proof, and the consequences following a trial. So, let's get started. Who do civil and criminal proceedings involve? The criminal justice system involves the state and matters which impact society as a whole. On the other hand, civil proceedings involve private disputes whose impact is generally limited to individuals. What sort of matters are covered in criminal law compared with civil law? Criminal law proceedings involve the prosecution of criminal offences allegedly committed by a defendant. Crimes are actions or sometimes omissions, which are somehow harmful to society as a whole, such as murder, rape and theft. On the other hand, civil law proceedings do not involve civil offences, but rather civil wrongs. They involve a claimant asserting that the defendant has, through an act of commission or omission, caused some kind of harm or damage to the claimant. As a result of this, the claimant has incurred costs or suffered a loss or damage. Such claims can range from very simple and small value claims involving individuals, such as suffering personal injury due to the negligence of another, being missold a product which turns out to be faulty, or being unfairly dismissed from work by a horrible boss to very complex and large value claims including huge multinational companies. For example, disputes involving breach of contract, huge merger and acquisitions which somehow go wrong, or newspapers making defamatory statements about celebrities causing thousands of pounds in damage to their reputation. Any sort of dispute you can think of between individuals will fall into the realm of civil law – And by individuals, I mean natural persons, people like you and I, as well as corporations. Who are the parties involved in criminal and civil proceedings? In criminal proceedings, a charge is normally brought against a defendant by the Crown Prosecution Service, the CPS, on behalf of the Crown. The parties are the prosecutor who brings the prosecution and the defendant who is accused of committing the crime. On the other hand, in civil cases, the parties are normally two or more individuals, companies or institutions. The parties are known as the claimant, the party who brings the case, and the defendant, the party against whom the case is brought. We can also say that the claimant brings a claim against the defendant, issues proceedings against the defendant, or simply sues the defendant, We do not say the claimant prosecutes the defendant as we do in criminal law. In the past, instead of claimant, the term plaintiff was used, interestingly a word derived from the French verb plondre, meaning to complain or to grumble. Anyway, following some very sensible changes introduced by the civil procedure rules in 1999, promoting the usage of plain English in the courts, The word plaintiff and many other archaic legal terms were replaced with plain English equivalents. In this case, plaintiff was replaced by claimant. But to make things a little bit confusing, the term plaintiff is still used in the US and some other jurisdictions. At the appellate stage, in both civil and criminal proceedings, the parties are normally called the appellant, referring to the party who appeals, the previous judgment, and the respondent, the person who responds to the appeal. How are criminal cases and civil cases cited? When a criminal case is cited, it is almost always written as R. V. And then the defendant's name, such as R. V. Dudley and Stevens. If you are interested, R. V. Dudley and Stevens, which I should actually really say are against Dudley and Stevens, is a case from 1884 that I bet you still, even today, every single law student and lawyer in England and Wales will have heard of it because it's a compulsory case to study in the criminal law module in an undergraduate law degree. It's a gruesome case which involved survivors of a shipwreck who tragically resorted to cannibalism, eating a crew member in order to survive, and who were subsequently convicted of murder. Apparently the case inspired Monty Python's controversial lifeboat sketch, in case you are a Monty Python fan. The R in criminal cases stands for Regina or Rex, aka the monarch, the crown, the queen or the king. And when spoken, we sometimes say are or also the crown. The V, when spoken in British English, is said as against or and, but in the US, people often say versus. So, R v Dudley and Stevens becomes the Crown against Dudley and Stevens, or the Crown and Dudley and Stevens, if you are speaking to British English speakers. But in America, it would be the Crown versus Dudley and Stevens. Civil cases, on the other hand, are a little bit different. Generally, they don't involve the state, but rather individuals, and therefore we get cases being reported with the claimants and defendants' surnames, or the names of the companies or institutions involved. For example, Donoghue v. Stevenson, or Donoghue against Stevenson, a famous tort case from 1932 which laid the foundations for the modern law on negligence, and which involved a lady who, much to her dismay, found a decomposed, rotting snail in her bottle of ginger beer, whilst she was enjoying the beverage. Another famous civil law case is Carlisle against Carbolic Smokeball Co., 1893. This is not a tort case like the former, but instead a case which all LLB students study in contract law. It is a leading contract law case in which the Court of Appeal explored the four key elements of a legally binding contract, and it remains relevant even today. Do you know what those four elements are? I'm sure some of you listeners do, and even though it is a little bit theoretical, in England and Wales, the four elements necessary to form a binding contract are offer, acceptance, intention and consideration. I'll go into more detail about these in the future once I eventually come on to discuss contracts in the podcast. So, what about the difference in the standard and burden of proof? In criminal law, as you should well know by now if you've been listening to previous episodes, there is a strong presumption of innocence of the defendant, which is summed up in the Latin maxim of A incumbit probatio qui dicit non qui negat. And I hope I have pronounced that correctly. This means the burden of proof is on the one who declares, not on the one who denies. In other words, the defendant is presumed innocent until proven guilty, and it is the prosecutor who is tasked with the job of proving that the defendant is indeed guilty. The prosecutor must prove to the judge or jury that the defendant is guilty beyond reasonable doubt. A very high standard of proof, which means that essentially the judge or jury must be sure the defendant committed the crime. If the prosecution fails to do so, then the defendant will be acquitted. If, on the other hand, the defendant is found guilty, he or she will be convicted. Moving on to civil law, the burden of proof is also on the party that is bringing the case against the defendant. In this case, the claimant. However, there is a lower standard of proof compared to criminal law the claimant must only prove that what he asserts is correct on the balance of probabilities. This means that the claimant should convince the court that it is more likely than not that the defendant committed a civil wrong. If the claimant succeeds, we can say that the claimant won the case and the defendant lost the case. We can also say that the judge found in favour of the claimant and found against the defendant, or the judge ruled in favour of the claimant and against the defendant. We do not say that the defendant was found guilty in civil law as we do in criminal law. What are the consequences of a criminal or civil case? In criminal law, the court must impose an appropriate punishment on the defendant. This process is known as sentencing and could involve, for example, sending the defendant to jail. In civil law, however, the court awards remedies to the injured party. For example, ordering the defendant to pay damages. In other words, allowing the claimant to recover damages from the defendant. Great. So now that we've looked at some key differences between the criminal and civil justice systems, let's look at some key vocabulary. First, you'll hear the vocabulary. There will then be a beep and a short pause for you to repeat the vocabulary. This is followed by the definition. Then we'll hear an example sentence. There'll be a beep and a short pause for you to repeat the new phrase. Number one, to bring a case. To bring a case means to start an action in court for a civil law matter. Repeat after the beep. The employee brought a case against her employer. Number two, remedy. Remedy is a general legal English word used in civil proceedings to refer to the options available that a defendant can do or give to the claimant to try to make up for or prevent a legal wrong. Common remedies are damages or an injunction. Repeat after the beep. The court awarded the remedy of damages to the claimant. Number three, loss. Loss is a very broad term which refers to the losing of something. It's often used in civil litigation to refer to the damage or the losing of something, the consequences of the defendant's action for the claimant, the harm caused, for example. Repeat after the beep. The damages awarded were intended to compensate the loss caused by the breach. Great, so that brings us to the end of the episode. I hope you've enjoyed it and found it useful. If you have any comments, please send me an email to louise at studylegalenglish.com or of course get in touch with me on social media.